Welcome to SolkanaCast, two broads talking broadly about health, the physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. Okay, everybody, welcome to this week's episode titled Donuts and Deadlifts. Yum! I'm your co-host, Hannah Weideman. And I'm your other co-host, Lucia Holly. Yay! <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up this topic because there are a lot of online Instagram accounts and online stores that are something and something else, like Donuts and Deadlifts. Caffeine and kilos, mm. probably protein and pom poms. I don't know. <laughs> there are a lot. Protein and pom poms will be next week. Yeah, will be next week. <laughs> so there's a lot of like fitness branding companies mm. now that are basing their branding around um, fitness and food, or clothing and food, mm-hmm. or something like that. So I thought, well, the interesting thing about that is that uh, both of those things are nutrition and fitness related, and that's what we do. La-di-da. Yeah. So I was hoping today we could really dive into the world of donuts. <laughs> With pleasure, anytime. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've personally been dreaming of donuts lately. Yeah. Because um, I'm going to cut. So I'm in the last two and a half weeks of a cut, and so every night I'm dreaming of hamburgers, donuts, croissants you know all the things (laughs) yeah so when hannah says that she's on a cut what she's referring to is that she is being very diligent um about tracking her macronutrients so So diligent (laughs) so every day she has uh she and i've worked together and we've set up um her protein goal her fat goal and her carbohydrate goal for each day and we vary that depending on her level of activity for that day so within that framework you can always be trying to gain muscle in which case people are typically eating more or you can be trying to lose fat which is what hannah's doing right now on her cut yes i will say that i did have a donut two weeks ago someone brought them to the gym like a mean person that they were (laughs) they brought them to the gym so we could celebrate after the first open workout and i cut it in half and i looked up in my fitness pal like a general what a donut would be Mm -hmm. pick the one that had the most calories associated with it because i was like i don't want to cheat this i can't lie and pretend that this is like just a glazed donut this is like a filled donut with like custard inside so picked it whatever put it in my macros and then it fit in you know i was able to eat it and then just eliminate some of my other stuff later in the day mm-hmm. but felt wholly satisfying to have a donut after working out <laughs> I bet yeah yeah and the thing with what Hannah's also doing right now is that we have her on a pretty um specific set of macros and she is like I said before she is being really diligent and it's working because she's on she's doing it within a short time frame oh yeah we have really um, prepped Hannah. We had her all throughout the fall work on eating more calories. Oh yeah, mass time. Yeah. Now it's cut time. Yeah. Set as part of the of the year. Yep. Um, so I wanted to know from you, Lucia, why is it that that donut was like so perfect 
for post-workout when I was like totally drained from doing 20 minute cardio, you know, and lifting thing for the open 16.1 workout, just like totally drained me, made me feel like I was going to die. And the donut had never, it's never tasted better. And it made me feel so good so quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can see why people like them. Oh, yeah. When they deadlift. Yeah. (laughs) That's why they go hand in hand. Yeah, right. You do a one-handed deadlift with a donut in the other? Right. Is that how it it works? Yes. Okay, okay, good. Yes. Um, Yeah, so something like a donut, if if we're thinking about those macronutrients, so we're thinking about how many carbohydrates, how much fat, and how much protein it has – a donut is going to be calorically quite uh, full, so it packs a punch. That means, if you look at it, it is a fried dough, and it's a fried sweet dough. Mm-hmm. So it has lots of sugar in it, yep. and that's With that's some fine. sugar on top too. Yep. Sometimes even more sugar crammed in the middle. <laughs> yep, <laughs> sugar everywhere. So it's sugar, and then that sugar dough. So the dough is also going to be carbohydrate. So you have sugar, which is a type of carbohydrate, more carbohydrate. And then you're going to have that, how is it cooked? It's going to be fried in oil. Mm-hmm. So after it's been fried, that dough still retains quite a bit of the oil that it's been submerged into to be cooked. So it's a big hit of calories yes. really quickly. Yes, it is. And because it's so high in sugar and fat, that combo is super palatable. As humans, we're designed to seek out food. Oh, yeah. It's like a stick of butter just dipped into a bowl of sugar. Yeah. I could eat that all day. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think a lot of people beat themselves up about that, and they try to get away from that. They're like, oh, I, I'm bad. Oh, I, I shouldn't oh, yeah. do that's this, like the, but I did do it. Women Ooh. always say that, right? They're like, I'm so naughty. I'm having dessert. I'm such a bad person. Right. But if you step back, that's a normal human urge. Because yep. way back in the day, where did we get really calorie-dense foods? They probably weren't super abundant. Right. So if When we, you found them, like an apple tree. Yeah. Like sugar bomb. Yeah, you're I'm like, gonna eat all these apples right now. I gotta get ham on these apples. Yeah, because yeah. first of all, they'll rot in like two days, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm starving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your body, your body knows how to deal with that when that kind of um, abundance of something like apples, for example, when that happens once every couple of months or in you know the end of the summertime. So it's kind of infrequent. And then what we see with people when donuts get really demonized or anything like that is because it's day in day out how easy is it to go seek out a donut if you really wanted one right so easy so easy so easy i can name like 10 donut shops within a five mile (laughs) radius right now yeah (laughs) like i'm visualizing where they are (laughs) glam doll donuts allows you to have your animal inside oh it's really bad. It's real bad. You just there want was to a, hang out in there, yeah. Petey. There was a time when I had, like, Fridays off and I'd want to do some work and I'd go to Glamdahl, order a donut and a coffee and sit there with Petey and work. <laughs> then after a while, you're like, well, I've been here for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. I better order something else. Mm-hmm. Donut part two. Yep, donut part two. It's a lot of donuts. So the other thing that I want to mention, too, is that, so that donut that you had right after your workout, probably that also felt really great because it sounded like that workout was quite difficult, right? Yeah, that was long. like That was a long workout. It was the first of the open, so really kind of some specific training. People knew that it was really difficult and everyone was kind of going like 100%, right? Yeah. So your muscle glycogen stores were probably quite depleted. So your body was really primed to be able to take in carbohydrates, especially in the form of glucose, and really use that. Yeah. 
versus someone who maybe is more sedentary or hasn't moved that day or right hasn't and they're moved just having a donut to have a donut yeah yeah so maybe that's why it's become so popular is because it's like a quick bomb that maybe you'd normally use a drink for like I, I would normally use a recovery drink like that has carbohydrates in it mm-hmm. has creatine in it has a little protein in it something that would immediately help me restore my depleted muscles so having the donut is kind of a similar experience except for you know more sugar based <laughs> it's more sugar based so it's going to be more of a burden on your liver um, when we think about sugars, so something like table sugar, just that white normal granulated sugar, that is sucrose. So sucrose is half glucose and half fructose. So when I'm talking about sugars in like the essential you, the group class, or just with clients one-on-one, I really want people to start to look at what types of sugars are coming into their body. So when we think about glucose, when glucose comes into our body, only about 20% of it is going to be processed by the liver. Right. If you think about fructose, 100% of fructose has to be processed by the liver. Oh. Right? So that's a, there's a difference mm-hmm. there, 20% versus 100%. So if you're eating foods that are high in fructose, and we'll talk about fruits in a minute and how they're a little bit different, because fruits are going to have fructose. Yeah. Um, if you're eating foods that are high in fructose but are more processed, so you're getting really kind of big doses of fructose think about that over time that's a burden on your liver right so like if you have a, a something that has high fructose corn syrup like you have a coca-cola your liver has to do all the processing of the sugar for that it has to do all the processing of about 55 percent of that sugar so high fructose corn syrup really it's not it's not great because it's a very processed food it's not natural however the high fructose is only about 55 percent fructose versus the rest coming from glucose. Mm-hmm. So just a little bit, just about 5% higher than something like table sugar. Okay, table sugar is all fructose. Table sugar no, is- No, more fructose. Table sugar is that 50-50 oh, okay. even got split. It. Got it, got it, Yep, so the high fructose corn syrup is just about 5% higher. Right. Yeah. So regardless, when you couple that amount of fructose plus the rest of which is glucose, which is still gonna need to be processed a little bit by the liver, mm-hmm. When you think about that and think about how easy it is to get in these foods that have high levels of sugars, that's something that your liver was never prepared for. No. As a little human, it's no. like, what? Because yeah. you try. can't really access fructose in that percentage or that high density in nature. You really can't. You would have to, that would be like a lot of fruit. That would right? be like if you found the apple tree and you're like, let's eat all the apples. Right, and but that then would... you'd also get like ferocious diarrhea, let's be honest. <laughs> let's be honest. Everyone has eaten an apple on an empty stomach and been like, what am I doing to myself? Mm-hmm. Too much fiber, yeah. too much sugar, too much. And exactly, that's that's really, well, I don't want anyone to have diarrhea. So <laughs> we're, not, we're not going towards that. But when you think about fruits and the fructose that's naturally inherent in a fruit, yeah, it is really hard to eat like four apples, five apples, or mm-hmm. more. So there, there are other parts that are coming in with fruit in their natural package, like fiber, like water, like other micronutrients, a little bit of minerals, vitamins, all that stuff that come in with the sugar. Right. Versus something like white sugar, yeah, high fructose corn syrup, brown sugar. So if I wanted to eat a donut, because I do... I really do. I'm like visualizing my donut the day after the meat. Like cut is done, I'm going to eat a donut. When is the best time to eat a donut? Like are we saying, oh, okay, well, if you, you know, like maybe the morning is a good time to eat it because then you have 
like you can burn off those sugars and have your energy for the remainder of the day or is it something you could eat like right after a workout if you're gonna have your donut in or mid-workout pre-workout <laughs> so many at questions night? <laughs> like I'm gonna have a donut I'm just gonna have one okay first, when am I gonna eat it first question is when do you want to eat it because mm. when we think about our body and when it's most primed to use foods definitely want you to be salivating eating it chewing it really enjoying it getting yeah. some true pleasure from it so that's first and foremost always going to be the most important. Secondly, yes, if you start to kind of break down the day, like we were talking about before, eating some of those really quick carbohydrates is your body's going to be more able to utilize it and kind of bring it right into the muscles, which is what most people really want and yeah. are looking for. That's going to happen after an intense workout. Sure. And and like if you think about something like deadlifting, genuinely, if you are doing a high rep deadlift workout or a high volume or high weight deadlift workout you are crushing your muscles yeah and really depleting your body very quickly yeah everyone knows that feeling that like shaky hand feeling shaky legs feeling after a hard deadlift workout so that might be a great time to have a donut <laughs> if you're gonna have one if that's what you need like if I had an option let's say let's picture this I don't have a recovery drink my recovery drink has run out I am I don't have like any quick um, protein. I don't have any quick carbs like nearby me, but there is a box of donuts. Am I better off having one or half of a donut than having nothing at all after my workout? Yes. Okay. Eat food That's after official. your workout. Okay. Especially, again, I mean, I'll be talking about this throughout any of these episodes. So bio-individuality is key. Mm -hmm. Hannah, you are incredibly athletic. You have a lot of muscle tone. And low body fat, your your body is insulin sensitive. Okay. So your body is going to effectively know what to do with that higher hit sure. of sugar. Sure. Yeah. So if someone if someone had done a one workout and it was one of their first workouts and they hadn't worked out in like six years and they had quite a bit of body fat and low muscle tone, then I would say that their body their body doesn't need the donut the way that your sure. body would need a donut. Yeah, because it's really not, they're really not able to tap into that place where they can even deplete their body storage anyway. Like, they, they're not able to actually reach that point quite yet. Right. Like, actually, one of the things that um, we talk about coaching when you're looking at something like the deadlift is that uh, athletes who start from the very beginning, especially if they have no athletic background whatsoever, and you teach them how to do something like the deadlift, just a really basic foundational movement, when they first want to start, they like everyone wants to lift heavy, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to lift heavy. Everyone wants to be able to put weight on the bar and go right at it. But the problem with that is that when you're new, you can't actually tap into your central nervous system enough to be able to control that kind of weight under pressure. And you really aren't going to get the benefit that you want mm -hmm. from a deadlift if you're trying to overload it before your body's actually ready to catch up. Hmm. Like the... The way that I talk about it to my new coaches is like when you're brand new, you're just kind of like living in your parasympathetic nervous system. You can't really, you can't really like access your your core central nervous system when you're working out, which is why people get so quickly fatigued, which is why they can't really continue with a certain weight after a few reps, like after a few rounds of a workout, they have to throw weights off their bar. They can't keep accessing that. Because they're just able to, they're like living in that little room and they, they're just like tapping on the door mm. of the central nervous system. 
And only after doing stuff for a while can you actually like open that door up and live in that world a little bit more. And why why is that? Is that just um, does that just come with time? Yeah, and kind it comes of just with time. It's in your. It's like if you think about um, the way your whole muscle system works. If you tried to um, if you tried to engage all of your muscles at once without teaching your larger muscles how to engage first, you're not going to be able to do what you want to do. Mm. So um, now I, as an athlete, have been working out for a long time. If I even like if I bend over to access the bar and I want to do a deadlift, I can pull my lats down, engage my traps, get my whole erector spinae engaged, and then my shoulders come into play, the smaller muscles in my back, my rhomboids can all be tight. But for a lot of people who are brand new, they can't engage their lats, they don't know where their traps are, Like they can't engage the big muscles, so they end up over-engaging small muscles sure. and getting hurt. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of the same thing. So it's like building that body awareness. Yeah, you really. have to go through the layers in order to get to the part where you your set that is. set that foundation. Yeah, and build off of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also because then if you right away if you're trying to go and tap into your central nervous system, your body just goes into fight or flight right away because mm-hmm. it's like not necessarily the place that your body wants to be without being able to manage it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can see people get like CNS fatigue in if they overuse that central nervous system, and if you were to go too hard into it too quickly, you might see that CNS fatigue happen sooner. Okay. Can you explain what CNS fatigue looks like? Sure. Um, CNS fatigue, and there's some like debate about, you know, whether or not CNS fatigue is a thing that people can actually reach very often, first of all. So, um, like, I wouldn't say that somebody who is brand new could really reach CNS fatigue, Mm -hmm. but they might show symptoms of CNS fatigue that are not actually from that, Mm -hmm. that are more just from, like, overuse of the body and like basically neurochemical spasoids yeah. because their body's like not sure what you're doing. Right. But so it different. can look the same. Yeah. Versus somebody who like if somebody is um, consistently deadlifting at a high weight and they're like really trained and primed for that and they're able to like they're able to pick up a bar off the floor, get that shaky feeling in their hamstrings and finish the lift. That person probably is really hitting their ner- central nervous system hard, mm-hmm. pushing a bunch of serotonin and dopamine into the brain and potentially getting themselves central nervous um, system fatigue when i talk about it like the things that you notice are that you can't like walk as easily or like you might run into things like you feel like your legs are kind of yeah, rubbery you feel shaky um and like your direction is you maybe your um your exterioception is a little weird like mm-hmm. suddenly you don't know where objects are in the room mm-hmm. it's not like you're gonna pass out like that's not cns fatigue it's more like a, a lingering inability to control your whole body sure <laughs> yeah because your body is suddenly trying to and, and maybe this is for the people who are less a, adapted to this intense exercise yeah. where their body is just like what did you just do to me yeah so sometimes when people are new and they like accidentally bang too hard on their central nervous system <laughs> like they they get too quickly into that room, they can feel like they have CNS fatigue. And I don't know necessarily if they do, but it can look similar mm-hmm. to what CNS fatigue would look like. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, um, that is a really good thing to be able to get to if you are a consistent athlete. Like, so, you know, we're always working to try to push that further, but it's not something you want to do every single day. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be something that you ever do when you're on, like, a low-volume workout. Like, if you're doing lightweights and for higher reps like that's not where you're going to see a cns fatigue mm-hmm. it's like when you hit your one rep max and it's your true one rep max because you've been an athlete for a little while you've been able to find that true weight 
you're able to push through limitations in your body, then you might see that CNS fatigue. It's not something you want to see constantly. Right. Like if some people are seeing it constantly, then I would be more concerned about other things. Like I'd probably send them to you for like, hey, maybe this person has problems with their adrenals or yep. there's something is wrong with the way they're processing this experience. And that's exactly what I was gonna mention too, is that if you're if you're new to CrossFit or new to this if you're new to any exercise and you've been doing it for a while and you're doing it consistently and you still feel totally drained after workouts and your coach is watching you and you're you know that you're not putting too much weight on you're not right you know the workouts are how they should be but you're just feeling blasted afterwards then that's when I would think about exactly what you said Hannah would think about your adrenal system would think about blood sugar regulation which is a biggie yeah so I would think yeah. about maybe that your blood sugar levels have been fluctuating really sharply up and down and up and down kind of those big spikes throughout the day and that maybe you're now in a big a down right a down of one of those spikes yeah. which is where you're gonna feel fatigue and dizziness and not have that energy and feel maybe grumpy or hangry yeah. any of that stuff and that can kind of look like a little bit about what you've been talking about the cns fatigue yeah on a, on a different level different scale but can kind of mimic a little bit of that. Yeah, and and accessing your central nervous system and trying to you know produce serotonin in your brain and um, create some level of fatigue like is part of what we're doing. Like that's why that's why we do um, like short duration high intensity exercises because that's what we want to produce. We mm -hmm. we want to send serotonin and dopamine to the brain. It makes you um, process things faster in your body. It makes you sleep better gives you better endurance in the long haul. Like, it's all good. Yep. Um, you may notice after you hit a really heavy deadlift, you get this, like, quick rush of adrenaline and this, like, euphoric type of feeling. And that is your central nervous system. Whoa. Just being like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> you feel the same way when you do a heavy squat mm -hmm. or um, if you hit a PR, like your first PR, even though you um, feel like you worked as hard as possible, you kind of think, like, I can go for more, I can go for more, I can do more. A lot of people overextend themselves that way when they hit that heavy number. Is that the same as a endorphin rush that people get yeah, when I mean, they're, yeah, like, running? Yeah, it's the same, same idea, exactly. You get sort of, like, a lifter's high. Mm. And it's a little bit different than the high that you might get from... Well, actually, I think it's probably very similar. I'm not an endurance person, so mm -hmm. I don't know as much about endurance athletes. But um, the longer... An endurance athlete is working on a, a lesser intensity so they'd have to go longer to reach that same like serotonin and dopamine output but a weightlifter might experience that in just a couple reps sure it's just so high intensity yeah yeah exactly but it's also part of the reason we don't send people into a one rep max place right away is because they can't actually reach that point mm -hmm. and if they try to it can be problematic for them right right because they're yeah. not their central nervous system is not able to do what it's supposed to do right and so something else happens like their muscles get pulled or they their body reacts by relaxing instead of intense mm. instead of tensing so so you need to prime the system set the foundation and then be able to have those those reactions basically to that high intensity exercise that is appropriate instead yes. of it becoming completely overwhelmed yeah because all of a sudden it's this big shift Exactly, and I don't hold people back in the gym based on their form every time. You know, sometimes it is a form and a positioning thing, but a lot of times people come in with really nice awareness of their body, and I still don't want them to hit heavy weights right away because they literally will not get the benefit from mm -hmm. it. So for me, if I go into a max out day, like yesterday I maxed out my front squat, 
I instantly, like, as soon as I hit that max of a front squat, I could, I just felt like my body was shaking, like I was reaching this point of euphoria. I could feel my central nervous system just, like, lit up. Yeah, responding. Yeah, and my brain was lit up, and my body was responding by shaking and feeling that, that tension. Um, and then afterwards, I was super tired. For the remainder of my workout, it was hard for me to actually get through that because mm-hmm. I was, like, kind of done for the day. Mm-hmm. But newer athletes just cannot get to that point. Mm-hmm. If they were to try a max effort front squat, um, either they would hit something that they, was below what they actually could anyway, and it would be a great stimulus for them, but it wouldn't be the stimulus. Right. Um, and that's fine. That's a fine experience for them to have. Or they would shoot above what they can reach, and they would just like collapse under the bar or not be able to get up, and then their body would react in a different way. And then maybe they wouldn't come in the next day or right, the day Right, because they'd be hurt. Yeah, something they, would react. Yeah. And then they'd be stressed out. Yeah. Who needs exactly. that? We don't need that. No. So the other thing, as long as we're talking about deadlifts. Please. That I notice is that the deadlift can be so easily misinterpreted. I am fascinated by the subject. Yes. Because <laughs> my deadlift, as Hannah knows, is, in my opinion, all sorts of wonky. <laughs> Never quite feels like what I think it could feel like, but I don't even know. Yes. Because I've got some... Quite a bit of stuff going on with tight muscles and kind of weak muscles that aren't firing. So I'm fascinated by this subject. I feel like the deadlift is really misinterpreted. It's done incorrectly by a lot of people. And even in the upper echelons of the CrossFit world. What? When I see deadlifting from some of the top CrossFit athletes, I am physically appalled. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Want to reach for a donut. Yes. So stressed out by it. Give them a donut and give myself a donut because... What I see is that um, athletes really accidentally, maybe, mm-hmm. lack of understanding, lack of coaching, put themselves into a squat position when they try to deadlift off the floor. Mm-hmm. And that's just, uh, first of all, you're at a mechanical disadvantage if you're trying to use your quads to pick up the bar off the floor. Um, you can do a squat later, <laughs> save it for later. When you're in the deadlift position, you don't want to be using your quads for leverage. You want to be using your hamstrings, your glutes, your lats, your upper back, your mid-back. So that's like everything along your, your whole posterior chain. Right. Nothing yeah. really in the front of your body. No. And obviously, in order for you to be able, well, not obviously, I shouldn't say that. Mm. In order for you to be able to access your posterior chain, you have to have opening in your anterior chain. Mm. You have to have flexibility in your anterior chain. So if you're having like uh, hip flexor issues where you can't open up all the way in your hip flexor, you're not going to be able to access your glutes, even if you think about sure. it. Sure. Right. So you have to have both you know, opening in your anterior chain, but the really the effort is coming from your posterior chain. Mm. But I see people come in and they sit down underneath the bar, basically, when they're trying to do a deadlift. Mm. Um, and I've, I've seen it in top CrossFit athletes. Like, last year in the Open, Stacey Tovar participated in the deadlift workout, and people kept, like, commenting, her back, her back is so rounded, her back is so rounded. Her problem, like, she probably walked away from that workout but she didn't injure her low back. She's not going to injure that position. It looks gross to us because it's not in a correct deadlift position. Mm-hmm. She's in a squat position. She's pushing up through the floor with her quads and probably her calves quite a bit too, mm-hmm. over accessing that spot. And she was engaging more in her, her upper back to try to compensate, but not using her glutes the way she should have. So it looked like super gross even though she wasn't in a necessarily unsafe position. Sure. Because her low back was straight, quote unquote. <laughs> um, her low back was somewhat protected because she was so strong in her upper back mm-hmm. and in her quads, but she was doing them wrong. Right. So at, like, at some point, that's a habit she got into. Right. 
and it's hard to reverse. And that's something, a habit that I feel like you could get into when you're strong so you can like muscle through yes. something like 100%, that. 100%, 100%. And you can tell that when if you like, ask someone their numbers and they say their back squat is 250 and their deadlift is 275, I mean, that's way too close. Hmm. Those numbers are way too similar. Hmm. Um, if someone has a 250 pound back squat, they should, if they're equally balanced, mm-hmm. have a 350 pound deadlift. Interesting. Yeah, so we're looking at like a major difference between those two numbers that people are not necessarily doing. Right. And I think a lot of times those people who have really, really high back squats, they're so quad dominant that that's why they have a hard time accessing the correct position. Their, their bodies, they just go. They just go for quads, yeah. yeah, Quads just lights up. Yeah. Hmm. I'm in the opposite boat. I'm hamstring dominant. Interesting. uh, In the squat, you'll see people who are hamstring dominant will tend to shoot their butt back when they want to stand up from the squat Mm because they're trying to make it into a deadlift. Mm. Basically, their body is trying to compensate by making it into a deadlift. So it's not like one or the other is better, Mm -hmm. but you have to be aware of what you are, like where you live, so that you know what to work on. Right. So, yes, quad dominance is a major problem for deadlifters, but also... Um, hamstring and posterior tightness, mm. along with anterior tightness. That doesn't sound familiar at all. Yeah. <laughs> if someone just comes into the gym, or if you are stretching and you're still not seeing what you need to see, can you do a deadlift correctly? Like mm-hmm. That's the question that we need to answer. The short answer is yes, you can. Yeah. But there's a certain way that you have to try to do it. Okay. Yeah. And is that is that certain way where you start to look at kind of like the position? So when I do deadlifts, I always do sumo deadlifts. Yes. So that's kind of what we look at. So the reason you like sumo deadlifting is because sumo deadlifting tends to be more quad dominant. No. As well. Yeah. So it's not like a sumo deadlift <laughs> is quad only. Right. For sure it's not. But you're able to access your quads as well when you're sumo deadlifting. You're more in an upright spine position and less of a bent over position so you don't have to rely as much on your upper back to be strong Mm. Um, which is why a lot of people take advantage of sumo deadlift because it is you can lift a lot of weight doing sumo deadlift because you can access both the posterior and anterior chain but the top deadlifters in the world they do traditional deadlifts interesting yeah because they're super strong in their posterior chain like recently at the arnold's a guy did 1,025 pounds. And what what are the Arnold's for people who don't know? Oh, yeah. Well, if you don't know what the Arnold's are, well, you have a lot to look into. <laughs> it's a big, giant competition, a, day, a week-long competition for weightlifters, powerlifters, bodybuilders, all in one place. And it's named after? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yes. Yeah, and he actually was the judge of the deadlift competition. This wow. Year. And I think he usually is a judge, but uh, it's pretty awesome. I mean, if it's named after you, you would think... You would think you would at least be there to judge a few. Yeah. The Arnold's is great because it's like brute strength. There's not even weight classes. Wow. For like weightlifters, there's no weight classes. It's just like brute strength for body weight. So a lot of people like don't cut when they do it. They just like go and just put up big so, numbers. And yeah. We can win cash prizes and it's like a whole bunch of fun. So takeaways from our donuts and deadlifts day. If you're going to have a donut, you should probably be pretty athletic. <laughs> no. You should have oh. it after you work out. Uh, think about if you're gonna prioritize it. Yeah, think about coupling those quicker sources of carbohydrates, especially if you're going for something that is a sugary carbohydrate. Think about getting those when your body could really utilize them the most. Like when you have CNS fatigue. Exactly. Okay. So yep. really learn how to fry yourself out when you're doing deadlifts. And then fry a donut. Yep. And then once you've reached that point, then that's a great time to have a donut. If you're gonna have a sugar bomb during your day, then post wad 
is when you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yep. Deadlift takeaways. Uh, you can do a deadlift. You're probably doing a deadlift already. You might be doing it wrong, but it's not. It's not you. You have ways to fix it. <laughs> it's the deadlift. Yeah. It's hard. It's it's harder than it seems. All right. Have a wonderful day. Woohoo! Don't forget, have your donut, but have it after you deadlift. Yeah. Have your deadlift and that donut. Goodbye. Sulcana Cast is produced by Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes or visit sulcanacast.limpsim.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com for full episode information. You can also visit our website at sulcanafitness.com to stay up to date on everything health and fitness. Join in on the conversation over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sulcana CrossFit. See you there.